This presentation was shot in the winter of 2018 up at part of our Chicagoland clinic. We had several coaches visit us that day. This one by Josh Jorth. And Josh was the defensive coordinator there at Stevenson High School, one of the largest high schools in Illinois, around 4,000 kids when they won the state title. Um, somewhere around, I'm going to say around 2015, 2014. And he went on to serve as the head coach and has since moved on in life to other things. But uh, an incredible football coach. Enjoyed this one. If you want to see it, it now resides on our YouTube channel. Check us out over there. My name is Josh Jorth. I'm the head football coach at Stevenson High School in Lincolnshire, Illinois. Um, I'm very fortunate to be here as a part of the Chief Pigskin's football online clinic series. I think this is a great idea that the, the website has, and it's a wonderful opportunity for me to present on what we call D-line fundamentals, no matter the size of your players. Um, it's wonderful every year as a football coach when you got big, strong, athletic kids, long, lanky defensive ends, big, stout nose guards and defensive linemen, but other years, you're not always going to have those kids. On, on, on our screen here, um, on the left side, these are two defensive ends. Both of them went on to play 1AA and, and one D1 football for me. Um, and over here, I have a kid no bigger than 160 pounds, 5'9", who ended up being a great all-conference um, defensive end for us, along with a nose guard here. And the idea is that the, the techniques that we teach at Stevenson, specifically on our defensive line, will work no matter what size the kids are. You have big, strong, athletic defensive ends. You've got little, small kids. These techniques are here to help provide you with answers and ideas so that you're able to have a successful defense. Um, on the bottom right here, this is my Twitter for our, our high school page and myself. Please feel free to give me a follow. And if there's any questions, you can obviously contact Chief Pigskin, but here's also my email um, if you need that. So a lot of times, sometimes you go through your scouting report, you spend your, your day on Saturday or Sunday after your game, and you look and you sit there and go, those are their guys, and this is our guy. Um, the, the, right here, this is a, a, a player from Muskegon, Michigan, who has been offered by Alabama and Ohio State and different teams like that. And here I have our 5'8", 175-pound nose guard. Um, and, and in this game, he had an unbelievable game, was all over the field for tackles for losses and tackles um, this year. And the, the techniques that we use are for those kids and then gets transferred on to our kids that end up being bigger or stronger. Just a little bit of background information. Um, in 2006, we really started focusing in, or 2016, we really started focusing in on this. Um, the average offensive line weight-wise that we saw was 261 pounds, and our average for our defensive linemen were 182 pounds, you know, and a little bit of change. The heaviest line averaged 277.9 pounds. And what we sat there and said is as a staff and as a group, we cannot lose this battle just because we're giving up that amount of weight, because we're giving up size. We have to be able to use technique in order to beat them. This year, we were a little bigger. We thought that things were going to be a little better. We were up to 189.9 pounds. We were feeling pretty good about ourselves. Unfortunately, our opponents got even bigger. The average weight of our line that we went against was 281 across the board, and the heaviest line was 312 pounds. Um, monster kids. And so again, the technique and the idea of what we do and how we use this allows those kids that are giving up 100 pounds or 100 plus pounds to be successful and go on to what um, make plays for their team and their program. Some background information. At Stevenson, we call our defensive linemen sack men. Um, this is their symbol. You know, it's something that they take pride in. 
They, they know that it is a mentality to be a defensive lineman at Stevenson. It is a mentality to go after, get after the quarterback. And a lot of people use the term rush men and things like that. We use sack men because we want to finish the play and get that quarterback on the ground. This is a philosophy. We definitely want to focus in on the philosophy, and it extends beyond just the football field. One of the big things as, that I think football provides young men is that attitude and, and to learn how to be in relentlessly pursuing becoming better as a human being, becoming better as a player, becoming better as a son, as a boyfriend, as eventually a husband, and things like that. Um, we use the Sackman philosophy, and number one, the number one thing that we want our players working on is their academics. The game will end for all of us. But it's very important that our players are focused on their academics so that when the game does end, they're able to move on. And in my history, I've now been coaching for 16, 17 years, um, the defensive linemen are not always the brightest. So therefore, that's the number one thing we want to focus on. And many times, they, when, by the time they get to Stevenson, they are looking and understanding that they need to focus on those academics and improve themselves. Um, we talk about technique nonstop. There's no way that 180-pound, 170-pound, 160-pound defensive lineman can give up 100-plus pounds without technique. Otherwise, they're going to be buried, and we're going to be walking out and peeling them off the turf. Um, we want to be after the ball carrier every play. We have to be able to run to the football, use our speed and quickness to get to that ball carrier, to get to that quarterback, to become a sackman, to earn that sack and that T-shirt that we hand out as a reward for getting a sack and then to improve their teammates' lives and improves others, and that includes everyone around. So um, last year, I received a wonderful email. One of our SAC men saw a student at lunch sitting by himself. He wasn't eating with anyone. Um, a security guard noticed he went and just sat down and started talking to him, and now they have lunch once or twice a week, um, and that, that kid has been appreciative, and all of a sudden, he's at our game cheering on our defensive lineman, go, you know, yelling, yay, let's go SAC men. And this is a kid that wasn't eating lunch with anyone. So the idea is that not only are you trying to become that great player on the field, you're trying to become a better person, become a better young man on a daily basis, understand that and know that this is what we are trying to achieve. Expectations. It's a philosophy. It's a belief. It's a thing that you have to do. We have to work to improve ourselves. We have to work to improve our, the lives of others. We have to be honest. We have to be there every day, obviously, as we all know, when we set that bar high for our players. We have to understand the calls that are made because we'll, we play a three-man front. We move and we slant a lot, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And we have to know that knowledge of that responsibility. We understand that mental mistakes might happen here and there, but with that dedication, they're going to be there. And then be committed to the program and go get that sack. Our greatest weapons as sack men are our hands. We talk about using our hands over and over and over. Our, our players need to work on having physical, attacking hands, having quick hands, and being able to move our hands all over the place. Um, one of the big things that we focus on is, is hand placement. On the body of a human, on, on a big old tackle or a big old guard or a big old center, our defensive ends are working on one third of the body in their gap. So if I'm a five technique and I am splitting um, that man, I'm going to come and punch that inside hand to, the, to that chest of that offensive lineman. It's very important to understand that as they do that, their feet need to constantly be moving, their eyes are up, their elbows are in, nothing, nobody is out chicken winging anything, um, and this allows them to take on one third of that man. So if that 
human is 300 pounds, you're taking on 100, 120, 130 pounds. You're not going head up right into them at 300 pounds against you know, 160 to 190 pounds. Our nose guard is in a different situation. We usually try to find a, a shorter, squattier nose guard. Um, our, we call him our nuke. That nuke is attacking on the center. He uses a loose W, so he tries to get underneath the pads, and this is why we like shorter nose guards, to get underneath the pads of that center. Eyes are up, elbows are in, looking for an opportunity to, to read and react and where he's going to go. Our stances. It's very important that we have very good stances, and it's hard to have a, just a mold because each player is different. If, we have a, if you have a 6'3", 190-pound D-end, or you have a 5'8", 160-pound nose guard, their stances are going to be different. Our base rules are as follows. We want their feet armpit, armpit width apart. Toes are, and knees are pointing forward, and the heels are off the ground. So we have a shorter, you know, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, nose guard, and a taller defensive end right here as our example. Both of them, their heels are off the ground, they're ready to explode, they're ready to get out there. Inside for our um, non-nose guards, inside hand is down, that, and that is in line with that foot that is back. The butt is up higher, okay, for, again, this is where you have to be a little bit flexible because if he's 5'7", five, 5'8", five, it's going to be very hard for him to get his butt up very high. But you know, someone that is 6'2", can get his butt up in the air a little bit more, get himself ready to go. His free hand is up. We want that about 60 to 70% of that weight forward so that we're ready to explode forward. The big thing that you want to focus and talk about too is that read the stance of the offensive lineman in front of you. A lot of times, that offensive lineman can be very well schooled and have great technique, but if it's a run block and he's leaning heavy forward, you can call that out and feel it out. If he's sitting way back, ready to pull or trap or ready to pass block, he's going to be, uh, give you an opportunity to read and recognize what's probably coming. With all that, we want to anticipate the snap, and we have to explode if into the gap or explode if we are slanting. Um, each day we try to work on three very basic warm-up drills, and this becomes like muscle memory for our players. Our get-off, our slant, and our hit and rip. Each day we work on our, our, our get-off drills. The big thing is to learn how to explode and anticipate the snap of the football. Um, it's going to be a short step. Some people like longer steps, some people like foot-long steps. We look for six inches or less. The idea is to get out of that stance low, firing out hard. That second and third step, bring, you want to bring that push foot up to parallel, attack that third man, you're reading run or pass, um, and reacting with the proper move. The big thing that happens a lot is a lot of our players want to stand up and peek and look around, sit there and you know, see where the play is going. You have to get a feel and um, what's going on and what's happening. A big thing for our pass rush is getting off the football faster than those big guys can get off. I'm going to show you a little bit of film of that. We always want to be low. We always want to be aggressive. And no matter what, a sack man's feet can never die. He's, his feet have got to be moving. He's always got to be chasing after the football. Um, in this film here, down here, this is against the team Muskegon, Michigan, who won state this year. Um, this right tackle has been offered again by Alabama, Ohio State, the whole world. And this, this kid's about 5'8", 160 pounds. And what you'll see in the end zone shots is a little better. He just gets off, runs around him, ends up getting himself a sack. Um, so down here, again, anticipating the snap, knowing what's going on. Number two is going to Michigan State. Way bigger than our defensive end. But we end up getting that sack, getting that whistle called. So, so again, anticipate the snap. 
know the situation. This, this right here is a third down situation, third and eight. It's very likely they're going to be passing. And get off the football. Explode off the football. Get around that big guy. Go get yourself a sack. Go get yourself a T-shirt. Um, this year, again, opportunity watching a defensive end. When teams are adjusting, teams have, you know, checking no huddle, teams are moving stuff, we don't want our linemen to stand there. We want to stem around, move ourselves around, all the rest of that type of stuff. We can watch this defensive line here. He's slanting inside. Get off the football. Tackle for a loss. Okay? Um, from an end zone shot, right here. They're making adjustments. We're going to move ourselves around, slant ourselves, or stem and rattle ourselves around. They're not sure where we're going. Come busting through there. Get yourself a tackle for a loss. <clears throat> the big thing to understand is that we have to get off the football. Okay, get off the football. Know what's going on. Recognize who's coming. Again, watch this defensive end here. Okay, get off the football. Jam up that whole counter play. Allow your linebackers and your chasing guys to come down there and take take on what's going on. All right. It's a big thing to understand that kids are not taught this naturally. It doesn't come to them naturally anymore. So it's very important to get off the football. And even though he didn't make a play, he jumbled, jumbled up that whole counter play. Um, the quickness can surprise somebody sometimes. But get yourself through there. It jumbles up. A lot of teams are his own read, read option teams. That quarterback's going to hand that ball off a lot of times if, if somebody busts through there too quick. Okay, get yourself off the football. Get yourself for a tackle for a loss or a sack. One more time. Working yourself through. Get off the football. Okay, explode off the football. Recognize and knowing what's going on there. Reaction drills. So there are only so many blocks that our linemen will see. Okay, the three main ones that we see is a base block, a one-on-one -on -one block, um, a down block, and a down block to a trapper. So we're going to kind of go through that piece by piece. As a base block, offensive tackle fires out on the five technique, center fires out on our nose guard. We want our one-third of a body hand attacking that chest of, of the offensive players. Hit and drive your feet. And what will be amazing is you'll see kids 100, 150 pounds less than them drive someone backwards because they're only taking on that third of a body. Rip, once you make your read, pass the run, rip yourself off, basic rip move, simplest and most effective move defensive lineman can have, and maintain your gap responsibility. Get yourself to the ball carrier as fast as you can. One of the keys to defense, a lot of people ask us very often, why are we successful on Stevenson's defense? We find the 11 guys are going to run the ball. Um, if you have an unbelievably athletic player, an unbelievably talented player that has skills that's unbelievable, he won't run the football, put him on offense. There's no reason to have somebody like that. You want the guys that are hungry. And a lot of time, it's our guys that might have been a B-team player or they might have been a sophomore that played you know, a little bit as a, on our sophomore level, but did not a lot and keeps working and working and working in the weight room. And they're the ones that eventually shine on our defense. Once we start defeating base blocks, the next thing we're going to see is the down block. Now, the down block is very important. As, I've, you know, as a good coach, you go out, you talk to people. Not many people have a ton of suggestions or ideas on how to deal with down blocks, besides kind of still waller, maybe wrapping or rolling and spinning yourself out. Um, as down blocks come, the big thing is that our players are, are taught two techniques. One, they will stonewall. If they feel like they got a big old guard or tackle that comes down on them, their job is to get their hands into them, 
okay, and recognize and get underneath the block. And so they dip that, that down block shoulder and get themselves under, underneath. And what happens a lot of times is those bigger offensive linemen go tumbling over. They are not used to doing that. A big thing as you talk about that is when you dip, you must dip at the hip level of the offensive lineman. If the offensive lineman is 6'6", his hip level is not going to be that high. But if he's 5'10 and short and squatty, you're going to need to really teach your players to get down low and dip underneath that hip. The second option is to spin and replace back. This is against your hard charging guys, the guys that are coming in and trying to knock your head off or knock your player's head off. When they're charging hard on their down block, you can spin, throw that elbow hard, and replace that offensive lineman's back hip. So as you spin, that elbow's got to come ripping through and get right back onto his hip and find that ball carrier. What happens next is that we will have an unblocked lineman. You know, if you're a zone read, read option, if you're, if you're an inverted veer or a power read team, they'll leave that guy unlo un unblocked. It's our job to go down the line of scrimmage. No matter if it's a boot away from us or if it's a, uh, somebody coming at us, we do not want our players going screaming upfield. That's where we get trapped and we get put on other team's highlight films. Um, we're going to squeeze. You must attack that one-third, get that tackle off of his track. Give him a good shove. Even if you can't shove and move him that far, he cannot have a free release to our middle linebacker or one of our safeties or anyone that's coming downhill because that's a bad situation for our guys. The next thing is that you must squeeze all the way to that B gap, even to that A gap, as far as you can squeeze and always be checking for, to see if a trapper or a fullback might be coming. Um, up here on the top, this gives you a good look. He's, he's coming. Tackle goes down, we squeeze, we end up knocking the football away and getting a nice turnover. From the end zone, right here, okay, defensive end, squeezes down, you get a down look, he's trying, they're trying to play some games and get him up on our linebacker, coming down, makes a beautiful tackle, knocks the football out, gets us a turnover in, in our red zone. That's one of those, again, where it's a mentality of you cannot allow people in, the, in your end zone at all. Another look here, okay, this is with an arc block, so you're gonna, you got guys reaching outside, it doesn't matter, okay, so your tight, our tight end, excuse me, our opponent's tight end is reaching out to the linebacker, we're still going to squeeze, it gives us an opportunity to make plays no matter what, okay, if the quarterback kept this, um, our defensive end's in a great position to make the play, but it, it, he ends up handing it off, he tries to cut it back, our defensive end can still make that play. Okay, so an unblocked man, tackle's going down, tight end's releasing, still squeeze, can still make the play no matter which way it goes. Down block to a trapper. A lot of times teams will try to trap, try to use those guards or, or counter or, or um, sniffer backs and things like that. We consider them all the same at Stevenson. Our job is to eliminate that trapper, that fullback kick out, whatever it is, by wrong arming the trapper. So if I have a tackle and he's going down, I get my hands on him, I need to peek inside. My eyes every time should go inside to that fullback, that sniffer, that guard, that tackle. Um, we've even had teams try to pull tight ends against us. And we are looking inside. If that guy's coming, I'm going full speed down the line, taking my outside arm, wrong arming him on his hip, everything's at the hip level, and turning my butt upfield. 
Okay, it's very important to do that. As you, we do that, what happens is the hole gets condensed, and that, line, that running back will often try to spill it, which allows our more skilled, faster athletic linebackers and safeties and DBs to come up and make that tackle. Give us an opportunity to see this and look at it. Okay? Down here is our defensive end. They're running with a sniffer that way. He does a great job. That sniffer is a big, strong, 220-pound sniffer coming. He gets down at his hip, wrongs arm him, creates that, uh, nowhere for that running back to go and ends up actually making that tackle, allowing his buddies to come and clean up the mess there. Okay, from the end zone, again, you can see the size difference. Okay, it does, it is not an excuse. You got, we, we, got, we got to play with what we have, we got to put him in the best spot. Gets off as fast as he can, recognizes that, that fullback, a sniffer's coming to get him, wrong arms him, comes and makes the tackle anyway. Down here on this end, Okay, this is actually his older brother a couple years ago. Same technique. Not pretty, but clogs this up. Realizes it at the last second. Down block to a trapper, clogs it up. There's nowhere to go. All his friends get to come in and clean it up. This is a hard thing. Kids naturally want to run up field. So this is one of those we have to practice a lot, but once they do it, it becomes natural. Okay? Wrong arm that trapper, clog it up. Let everybody else come up there and do that. And so in this day and age, one of the big things is that we have to still reward these players. You know, the, we live in a society that hands out a lot of trophies and things like that. He's going to get a sticker. He wrong arms it, we get a tackle for a loss out of that. Absolutely. Just like the guy that got the tackle for a loss, our guy that wrong armed the trapper is very important to understand and, and recognize and re know what's going on there. Okay? Watching the technique. See, a, they brought a motion man. Okay, so the motion man comes across, kind of becomes that H-back sniffer type, trying to get in there, you wrong arm him, get yourself in the backfield, go make the tackle. You'll see the motion man coming across right here, get underneath it, go make the tackle. <coughs> okay, same idea. Clogged up, nowhere for the running back to go. Okay, so Clip after clip, the idea here again is to get that clogged up. Let your linebackers, let everybody else run in there, make that tackle, play a team defense, get everybody running to the football, know what's going on there. From the end zone shot, okay, again, you can watch him there, you can get a better shot on that tackle, but get himself underneath, recognizing and knowing what's happening. Reaction drills, double teams then. So you, you sit there and you get a base block, you get a down block, you get a trapper, double teams are coming, okay? We must attack the double teamer. So a big thing is that if I'm a nose guard, the center is right on me, this guard is coming to me, we're going to get our hands to him. A lot of guys have different techniques, things like that. This is what has worked for us, is that we're going to get our hands into that man, and most of the time that center struggles in getting off in, in the linebacker, and you can create a stalemate, you can get yourself in there. Another option is, is if they're just too big, too powerful, too quick, unbelievable offensive lineman, we split it and watch those guys tumble. So we want to go down, split it, shooting that outside arm. So again, the double team's coming from this direction. I'm going to shoot that outside arm as far as I can, and I'm going to reach and try to grab grass. I'm going to play a little bit of, you know, not so clean football, but getting under there, just getting after and getting grimy and dirty, and create a pile. Let those guys fall on you and let your linebackers run yourself through. Okay. Over here, um, let me go to the end zone shot here, a little bit cleaner for you. We have a defensive end getting double teamed, okay? 
opportunity to recognize double teams coming from this guard. He's going against a tackle a lot of times. Get himself into that, stalemate this. So we have a 200, not even 195 pound defensive end, 280 pound guard, 320 pound tackle. They should win that battle every time. But they're sitting there holding it. You can see that guy who's usually the main double team guy that will take it over and the other guy will go on to the second level. He's sitting there not sure what to do. He actually kind of holds him there at the end. Um, so recognize and know as you attack this, get it, your hands in there and it provides an opportunity for your linebackers to run the windows or get through there. You can see 33 does exactly like he's been taught, flies through there, makes a nice tackle for a loss. The other thing that happens is when you're able to stalemate double teams, frustration occurs. You can see 75 becomes pretty frustrated in this situation um, and doesn't allow himself to you know, feel that he is being that dominant offensive lineman that all offensive linemen are trained to do. Um, this is actually at state for us. This was a fourth and one play, and our defensive end splits this double team, which allows everybody else to kind of come through and get a fumble and make this play happen. Um, it's very important to understand that he was our all area. He was a very good defensive end, um, went to Eastern Michigan, and is now playing at Albany, but he understood that it is worth him sacrificing himself splitting a double team so that his linebackers and DBs can come in there, make a play, create a fumble, and get us in a great situation. From the end zone view, recognizes that, splits it, everyone else can go running in there, make that play, and there's that ball out. Continual da daily drills that we have. We slant every day. Um, we're going to set up a football, whether you get a football on a stick, whether you use your hat, whether you use your hand, it really doesn't matter. We want to slant on this every single day teach our guys to react to that football, teach them to get out of the stands quickly, and we also use it as a warm-up. So you, we're not slanting for 10, 15, 20 minutes. You might only get three minutes of slanting. But the idea is to warm your body up. It's a great pre-practice thing. It's a great opportunity for our players to get warm while working on technique and getting themselves reacting. We hit and rip. Our rip move is our number one rip move. Um, one of the big things that we want to do is we want to be able to do that anywhere. The running joke that we have with our players, and I see them do it, is when I see you going through the hallways, ripping past people when they're walking slow, we're in business. So that's a big thing for us that we want to recognize and know. We want to hit, we'll use our five-man sled, we'll hit, extend, rip ourselves through. We will use, make sure that we have proper hand placement. We'll do it on each other. If you don't have to be in pads, we can do it with just you know, our helmets. Fire off, put a hand on the guy's chest, rip yourself through, and make sure you bring that hand high, okay? Because a, a lot of kids will sit here and kind of come here, and that's not going to get the job done. <clears throat> okay? Slanting, this is kind of just an example of our, our nose guard slanting, okay? Our nuke slanting, slants right into the gap, okay? Gets himself in there, gets himself attacked. Now, this, this is a kid that came out this year. Um, this was his junior year, and he'd never played football before, and there he is slanting in there. You can see pad level's not perfect. He's not, you know, everything's not perfect that we want, but he has an opportunity to find, fire off, slant into the backfield, help, help get a tackle for a loss. Okay. Up top, you can see our guys slanting and moving. Okay. Want to get off the football? We love slanting against power teams. If you're a power read team, if you're a team that's going to pull your guard a lot, um, especially when, when tendencies show which way you're going and all the rest of that type of stuff, we want to slant towards that way you're going to run the football. And when you pull that guard, we got an opportunity there to get that backside DN through that B gap, get himself in the backfield and make a play. 
as we go through this, you know, the film that we try, I try to provide are examples of everyday life. You know, these are not the perfect plays, but it just shows you an opportunity of putting everything together. This is a great example of slanting and getting off the ball. Okay, the defensive ends down here, anticipates the snap, gets himself into the gap, gets off the football, blows the whole thing up. From the end zone view, you can see here he starts out as a wide five, slowly makes himself down, but besides him, everyone else is moving. Our nose guard is moving, our, our other defensive end is moving, and all three of them got to be able to work together. Into the B gaps, okay, blowing the whole thing up. And so a lot of times your eyes automatically go to the guy that's making the play, but over here we got a defensive end slanting hard enough to knock a guard back on his butt, okay, while, while we're getting into the backfield. Our nose guard, has the opportunity to get himself moving, recognize and read what's happening, and open things up for his partners. So as he slants this way, that guard gets his attention. This opens it up for that defensive end coming in. It's very important they have to understand they are a cohesive unit. And whether your philosophy is you're going to play three or four dudes and those are your dudes out there, or you've got a rotation of six, seven, eight, nine guys, they have to play together and they got to be able to play together as a unit in order to be successful. Another example of slanting here, okay, just using that defensive end on the top side, getting underneath the pads, coming in and making that backside chase down tackle. <clears throat> okay, defensive end right here, slanting hard, eyes are up, being able to see which way the football is going. Pass rush. So, when, as I talk to coaches, a lot of things that people ask is, how can you have pass rush moves against bigger guys? How can you have a 5'9", 5'10 guy go against a 6'4 guy and beat him, okay? We provide our guys with what we call their toolbox. This is our main toolbox. We're going to hit and rip, we're going to knife, we're going to chop and spin, and we're going to chop and flip. Now, other guys have other opportunities to provide more tools. But what our goal is is that they need to have two main tools, okay? Everyone's going to hit and rip, and then two of these other tools, or one of those other tools is going to become a main one, and then they're going to have a second one. A lot of times people want to teach 8, 9, 10, 11 techniques. I don't think that is valuable. It's very important for them to understand, recognize, and know what works for them. Um, I'm an old wrestling guy. I've wrestled for many years. I come from a wrestling family. You don't go to state. You don't go to nationals. You don't go to all that type of stuff having 25 takedowns. Two, three takedowns at the most is all you need, and setting it up is more important. It's the same idea with pass rushing moves. Keys to the pass rush. You have to get off the football. If we are late, if we're slow, if we don't react well, you're never going to beat a bigger guy. That bigger guy is going to kick himself back, and he's going to settle in. It's going to be very tough. Um, we're going to rattle and stem and move all over the football before um, they have an opportunity to go. We love going against no huddle teams. We love going against teams that want to sit there and show a card or show hand signals and show us the formation. That is a benefit to us. It allows us to see where they want to be and allows our defense alignment to line up, move, step, stem, get themselves all over the place. And it's something that you know, we should really enjoy and, and relish as a defensive coach. Um, read your keys. We, spend, we challenge our players to watch a lot of film. We have a homework sheet to go against the two guys that they're most likely going to pass rush against, and they need to see what their benefits are. Are they good at, pa at pass sets, but they lean forward so we can use those type of tools? Are they long-armed so that we can hack their arms? Are they short and squatty and they don't drop too far back because they're not very quick so we can use our speed? 
These are the important parts that you need to see as you're recognizing and going through and getting your players to buy into what you have going on so that they're not intimidated by size. They are not intimidated by anything that's happening. Um, the quarterback must be controlled. Okay? And when I say control, we're talking about the best quarterbacks that we're going to go against. They are not allowed to, they'll make a play or two, but they're not allowed to run free. They're not allowed to get themselves out running around, creating scramble drills. Um, the quarterback must be put on the ground, and the quarterback has to be controlled by our three down linemen. Our hands, as we said before, are our greatest weapon. We have to use them to get off the blocks. The worst thing that we can do, and this is something we talk about every year with our freshmen and our sophomores, is you come, you know, it's what we call being a meathead. You come rattling in there, fire both your hands in, headbutt the guy, and just try to muscle him. Okay? It's never going to work. It's not, it's, it, there's no technique. It provides nothing for us. It's not something that we want to do. We need to use our hands, and we need to use our hands and quick. The big thing is we like to hack and get hands off us so that we cannot be held. We cannot you know, have guys opportunities to strong arm us. We use our hands as our weapons. And then always remember that we have screens and things like that, so we gotta be able to retrace our steps and get that turnover. Hit and rip. Seems simple, but it's one of those that a lot of people try to teach it and they just kind of lack that little bit of information to get them to that next level. It's ideal for an offensive lineman whose hips open up to the outside. So they, you know, if I'm past setting this way and that hip opens up, it's a great opportunity because they're not balanced, they're not very well there. Um, it provides us an opportunity to beat those with space on the quarterback's edge, okay? To use quickness and speed and get yourself around that guy, making that quarterback step up, or if he stays there, getting yourself that sack. Big parts, we, again, we're, you're, you hear about it a lot, one-third of the body, okay? Outside one-third of the body, we're not going to go and try to get into his chest. We're not going to do any of the rest of that type of stuff. We're getting into that shoulder pad, armpit area, hitting, posting that outside arm, and ripping through. And when we rip through, we rip through high above our head, right up on top there. Everything else is knowing what's going on. Our feet have to be flying. If the feet stop as you're doing this, that offensive lineman will recover and, and get an opportunity to pa pancake us or put us on the ground. Um, but we have to be able to do that. A lot of times what we'll get is that you know, bear hug, that big hook. As we turn that corner and rip, we'll get that holding call as that big lineman puts his arm out because he doesn't want his buddy, his quarterback, to get hit. And he hooks us around that, you know, in a headlock kind of situation. Um, and we get that flag for that holding call and things like that. If we get pushed back, our guys are allowed to spin. So if, if we're hitting and ripping and we get ran by that guy, we're allowed to spin back. And again, a lot of the bigger guys at, at 16, 17, 18 years old don't have the hip mobility and flexibility to be able to spin back with us and work themselves back inside. So we spin back and then get ourselves after the quarterback. <clears throat> okay. So this defensive end right here is a perfect example of it. Works himself outside, okay, hits, rips, goes and gets a sack. Okay, we got, we got pressure from both ends. We brought a linebacker on the other side, but you can see his technique there. He's a little high, but again, this is a junior for us. Has an opportunity to get there. Just get off the football, hit, rip, go get yourself a sack, okay? Kind of give you an end zone view here. We're down here on the side. Hits, rips, goes and gets a sack. Go and get that pressure for that sack, okay? We will reward that because what happens is, is that if he does not stay outside, if he does not get himself a sack here, 
This man is not able to cheat himself in. Okay? That sack does not occur if we don't go and get that opportunity. Top of the, top of the screen. Hits, rips, chases. Okay? It's not always going to be pretty. It's awesome if every time that we sit there and we hit and rip, we come around the corner and we make the sack, but we over-exaggerate. This is a great example of over-exaggerating. You can see how he winds up his arm. Okay, That arm's coming down, hits, rips right underneath it, gets himself moving, Okay, and then he keeps going. Always stay after that quarterback. Okay, Those quarterbacks, got to, they, they cannot feel comfortable back there. This is how we control the quarterback. You must... Keep the pressure on them. Hits, rips, stay after them. Beautiful job. Defensive end up top. This is a great example of a kid. This um, offensive lineman from the team went to Wisconsin. This kid, again, is no more than 5'9", 180 pounds. Um, hits, rips, gets around him, keeps the pressure on to make that ball come out quicker on the screen and sets our linebacker up for a great hit. But this does not occur without that pressure. Okay, that, that quarterback's throwing the full, throw, or forced to throw that ball a little bit early, allows our linebacker to make a heck of a tackle. At the same time, this little defensive end uses his technique to make that occur for the whole defensive team. Okay, you can call, kind of watch him here. Gets outside, gets underneath him, gets himself moving. Knife. Knife is great because this is the counterpart to our hit and rip. If we're working outside, we're working outside, we're working outside, that, that tackle becomes lazy. He thinks we're going outside every time. We're able to step outside and then get ourselves back underneath. It's great for tackles and guards and centers that love to get a lot of depth in their drop. So if you watch their fi the film, you see that tackle dropping deep because he's so scared. He's sick of being yelled at about being beat around the, co the corner. He's the one to run that knife against. Or at the same time, you see that, that tackle who has been beat once or twice or is getting, you know, ha having a hard time with speed rushing on the edge. Knife is a great blitz for that. Um, the big thing is we have to push vertical and get that tackle to kick back. So as you, as if um, the camera here is our tackle, I'm stepping outside and really th making him think that I'm coming hard outside and then I'm dipping myself and my shoulder right back underneath to work myself towards that quarterback. Um, we usually pair this with a linebacker who's doing the opposite so that he would be coming inside and coming out. And this has been a great blitz for us. This is a wonderful thing that allows us to understand and know what's going on there. Um, to go to that next level, it's very important that you recognize what that offensive lineman does. If the offensive lineman lowers his elbow, we're chopping that arm as we come through. If he raises it, we're going to rip ourselves inside and, and bring ourselves through. Okay, so this is a knife technique down here. One step outside, comes underneath, sees a big old tackle falling on the ground. Again, right here. One step underneath, got him leaning forward, go get yourself a sack. Right down here. This is a great opportunity. We love it as a run blitz too. Okay? What happens a lot of times is if you see teams leaving your backside, they tell their tackles to run up and get a linebacker or safety or things like that. We'll step outside, he'll leave, and then we go right down the line of scrimmage so we can make a play 
um, get ourselves a tackle for a loss is a better view here. Okay. So again, step outside, that tackle leaves, it gives us opportunity to get down the line of scrimmage, go get a tackle for a loss. Okay, up top, great technique, his stance is a little lazy at this time, but he dips and steps himself underneath. Um, slide protection teams struggle with this. Okay, a lot of teams will say, hey, running back, you're on the linebacker, stay on the linebacker, everybody else, you're big on big on that front side, and when that tackle can't keep up with that knife technique, that, that linebacker, or excuse me, that running back comes out to the linebacker, it sets up a great opportunity for our defensive end to get up in there and get himself a sack. Okay, from an end zone, you can view it here. It's not a big step. We're not going crazy. What we can, what we can do, though, is make it very simple and exaggerate and get yourself right back underneath. Causes a lot of teams that have slide protection issues when they use that back on, on linebacker situations. Okay, from the backside here, we love it against rollout teams because they can get us underneath. Um, against rollout teams, we'll teach that defensive end if you knife, that tackle is taught, you got to protect the backside, protect the backside, protect the backside, get going as fast as you can down the line of scrimmage, and good things will happen. Okay, right here from the backside, stepping, knifing underneath, coming down the line. Don't ever stop. Don't ever allow that quarterback to be in control. You are in control of that quarterback. Stay after that quarterback. Recognize and know what's going on there. Other tools that are available. Um, we like to chop arms, and it's especially for those bigger kids, those 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", unbelievable, usually D1, 1AA, offensive linemen that have not quite grown into the athletic ability of their body. It happens a lot when they lean forward. If you're 6'5 and you're 300 pounds or you're 260, you lean forward a lot. It just naturally happens, especially later in the game. So the next two moves, the chop and spin, the chop, um, the other one that we're going to show here, it gives you an opportunity to attack those offensive linemen, especially when their arms are out. So we're going to hack those arms and we're going to spin, and, the, and they have the flexibility to spin either way. So as that, line, that offensive lineman sets back and those arms are out because he's getting a little lazy because he's getting a half punch out there already, we are going to hack those arms down and spin ourselves in or out. Um, it's very important that we have to clear that offensive lineman. So as you spin, that elbow has got to come all the way right into that back of that offensive lineman and then get yourself back on track to, to that quarterback. Down here, um, this provides us an opportunity. We hack and we spin, okay? Causes the quarterback to throw that ball early. So let's look at it again. Hack and spin. That, the flexibility on that is, is, you know, without a paired blitz, is that they, as you can see there, that lineman drops way wide, his hands are out, we're gonna hack them down, and we're spinning ourselves through, getting pressure on that quarterback from an end zone shot. Hack, spin through, okay? Causes an incomplete pass. As we talk about defense and everything else too, understand guys that you have to get your guys going. Even if this was a completed pass, you can see three guys are there, okay? It's extremely important that there needs to be two guys apexing and one guy trailing on every single tackle that you have. And the goal is obviously to get five, six, eight, ten guys to the football every single time. 
Our next one is for a, is a chop and a flip. So now we're going to chop and we're actually going to sidestep and flip ourselves, our hips, all the way past that lineman and rip ourselves through. So if that lineman is larger, he's just a big stout kid and he's got his hands out a little bit, but he's a pretty good offensive lineman, one of the better ones you've seen. As he kicks back and those hands are out just enough, we're going to hack them and we're going to try to use our speed and quickness and step to the side, flip your hips and rip yourself through. Um, getting going as fast as you can and get back on track to the, to the quarterback. So again, we're focusing on chopping and flipping. Um, this opportunity here, watch this film up top. We're going to chop as he sets. Big kid, chop those arms, flip your hips through. Go get that quarterback. Chop, flip. Okay, Extend those hips, get around him as fast as you can. Work yourself through, get yourself into that. Um, and recognizing and knowing what's going on there. So my name is Josh Jorth. Again, I appreciate you guys looking at this. Chief Pigskin is an unbelievable website. It's an unbelievable resource for us as football coaches, whether we are youth, high school, college, or even in the NFL. Um, an opportunity for us to share this information, little tidbits and little fundamentals is something that can only benefit us as football coaches. And as my last part here, Give us a follow on Twitter. Give us a follow on, you know, on Chief Pigskin. Um, feel free to email me with any questions. And remember that this is, a, this is the greatest game on earth. It's our job to protect it. It's our job to make sure that we're making the right decisions. And it's our job to make sure that those players that are playing for you are having the best time of their lives, win, lose, or draw, and that they want their kids, they can't wait to have their kids playing the greatest sport on earth. Thank you.